the evening. So on that note, if you have your Bibles with you, please open them to the Gospel of Luke. We are in chapter 8, as you remember from last week. We ended in verse 3 of chapter 8, an amazing section in text last week. This is when Jesus breaks out in chapter 8 into one of his most famous parables. Parables are very interesting stories that essentially have one big idea behind them. And this is one of my favorite uh, parables. It's probably his most famous, along with the prodigal son or the prodigal God, my other favorite parable. They're all amazing, but these are his most famous, and and this one is really uh, amazing that we're going to see today, I hope. Let me read the whole passage with you, beginning in chapter 8, verse 4, and then we're going to dive in and have a look at this amazing text. It says this in verse 4, of chapter 8. When a great crowd was gathered and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, And choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said to them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But others, they are in parables, so that Seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes along and takes away the Word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the Word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, in times of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for these words. Thank you for Luke's record of them. We thank you for what you're going to show us here today. I pray, Lord, as we look at this, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts here today, and I pray that we would hear, hear you and what you have to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I should also have noted for you, we have sheets at the back uh, um, where you can take notes on messages, and we really encourage you to do that. The title for today's message, I don't usually do this, you know, like alliterations, you know, three all start with the same letter, but this one just seemed to work that way. The title is A Sower, Soils, and Souls. And so I, I like to start with questions sometimes. Today I have a specific question for you. Are you hard of hearing? Let me ask that again. Are you hard of hearing? 
Now, some of you are here this morning. I know you, right? Some of you are here and go, yeah, yeah actually, my, my hearing has deteriorated over the years. And, and uh, especially in noisy situations, even with a fan going over on the side, uh, it's a good thing that, Pastor, you have a mic because I, I find it hard to hear. And so I, 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 I have a, a hearing problem. I have a bit of a hearing problem, especially in my left ear, having been a, a rockster drummer many, many years ago, back in the day when we really didn't know what we were doing. So I had this, this huge speaker beside me, like as a monitor in my left ear all the time so I could hear the guys singing and the rest of the band. So sometimes you'll hear me going, hey, look, like really, it's, and it builds up. With, anyway, it's another, it's just, just my personal thing there. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but listen, there's another form of hearing loss, isn't there? There's another form of hearing loss, a deafness that exists in all of us to a certain extent. We're not just really, when you think about it as humans, we're not the best listeners, are we? <laughs> are we? Now, I don't know you guys, I'm, I'm a little older, I know, I understand, but I remember growing up, and, and I know it's a long time ago, but I really do, and I, were, I remember growing up and my mother saying to me, you need to listen to your parents. Right? I remember hearing that, and you need to listen to your teachers. My report, my report cards would come home, and my mom would read the comments. You're not listening. In class, you're getting occupied. You're drumming on your desk. You know, stop it. And you need to listen to not only teachers, but also people in authority over to you, the police and, and government. You need to be listeners. Well, you all know how that, you know, worked out, right? We rebel. Right? We just don't listen, right? We have a real big problem with listening. Now, none of you are experiencing that who have little ones, are you? Like, they're angels, right? right? It's amazing how that starts. I don't know what age it started for you, but for me, it was like the crib. <laughs> like, go to sleep. Don't listen. We seem to be born with this issue and this problem. My mic stand, my music stand keeps dropping all the time here. So, as I've already said, I'm a little bit older than you, and, and, and there's an advantage to that. I've actually lived through what I, what I would say are two of the most dramatic cultural shifts of the last 40, 50, 60 years. And the first is my generation's fault, the baby boomers' fault, or at least we were part of it. We, we were the original rebels, really we were. We rebelled against authority in every way, shape, or form, and it was a major cultural sh shift uh, where every form of authority, parents, teachers, law for sure, the man, you know, government, you know, we, we just rebelled, you know, like, because we didn't want to listen to anyone but ourselves. And those who agreed with us. We were really good at that, listening to others. Now, the other is one that I think many of you today, especially if you're under 35, 30, um, you're not even aware, I don't think. Sometimes we're not. You probably are because you read articles. You're smart. Uh, of What a, a paradigm shift it has had on our world today. And, of course, I'm speaking about technology. I'm speaking about the Internet. And related to that, in particular, social media, Right? I mean, when it comes to Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, et al., and younger people today would go, you're so old school. Those things are passe. There's way more than that where we can be out there. And here's the deal. It's not about being a good listener, is it? It's about getting likes and commenting and commenting and commenting. We're not the best listeners. And yet what we see here today in our text, listen, here's what it tells us. Our text tells us this. We're not evolving. This is a 2,000-year-old at least problem. Actually, it's a problem from the garden in Genesis where God said, don't eat of that tree. And did they listen? No. They didn't listen. 
So here's the thing for today. After Jesus recites the parable of the sower to the crowd, we then read actually the key verse, and you heard me kind of exclaim it as I was reading the text earlier today. It's the key to this whole passage. It's when Jesus says this in verse 8. He called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Literally in the Greek, it could be something like this. Will you listen to me? Now, we, we all love Jesus, you know, even those who don't necessarily believe in him yet, and we just don't see him that way, right? He's just mild and very loving, and he would never... No, he, he, seven times in the Gospels, these words come from Jesus' lips. People aren't listening. They're, they're coming to hear him by the thousands, like thousands go to churches and check churches out. They come to hear about him and hear the word of God, but the truth is Jesus is saying, even then... Amongst those people who saw him, the miracle worker, raising people from the dead, healing every possible disease, feeding 5,000 people at a given time, miraculously so, and they're not listening to what? They're not listening to what he's saying. They're not listening to his message. And so, who is he or she who has ears when you think about what Jesus... Who's Jesus speaking to here? Well, You all have ears, right? I do too. One of them's not working perfectly. But he's speaking to everyone in this text when he says, he who has ears to hear. He's saying, everyone, please listen to me. Please listen to what I have to say. And so the parables of Jesus also, we know this, have a central theme. And that theme is almost always about the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus came, right? He came, yes, to die on the cross in your place, my place, for all of our sins so we could be forgiven and we could then be welcomed into the kingdom of God. And so that's what he was proclaiming. And, and it was always about, his message was all about this. What I'm, what I'm telling you in my messages, in my parables, in all of the stories and my preaching is how to get in to the kingdom because I want you to get in and how not to get in. That's what the whole story is about. And so he's a little bit at this point, crowds and crowds and crowds, and he's like, I've been saying this for two years now. I've been preaching consistently the same message. I've been backing that message up with miracles to show my power and authority that I am truly the Son of God. But are people listening? And the truth is, most of his messages are saying this, the kingdom of God comes by hearing. That's why, again, Jesus came. He didn't just send the book already, you know, printed and, you know, bound, you know, before the Gutenberg press. He he came personally as God to deliver the message. People forget that sometimes, right? Where is God? Well, (laughs) you know, Jesus, that's a good start. And he gave us the word because he came and preached it to us. The Apostle Paul, years later, about 20 years later, he's writing to the church in Rome, and he wants the, the believers in Rome to understand this principle. And so he actually wrote these words in Romans chapter 10. I love these words because they're about preaching. Uh, But listen, it's actually the word proclaiming, which is what all of us are to be doing, not just me on a Sunday morning. Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 14. How then will they call on him, on Jesus, in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without or unless someone preaches? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
as it is written, and he's now going to quote the Old Testament, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed, for Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet, says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So the people in the Old Testament, the people of Israel didn't hear God, did they? Oh, they heard, but did they listen? And then Paul adds really the most succinct statement when he says, so listen. Conclusion, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so it's, it's not, you know, you're walking around one day and you're up on the mountain and, you know, like a bolt of inspiration hits you and you go, oh, yeah. I believe in this particular God who happens to look like this, or he's about this and about that, and yeah, that's my God. No, this God who is God, Jesus, the Son of God, comes by hearing about him, and in particular, by hearing his word. So, so listen, that, by the way, is why we do this every Sunday. We don't do this to lift up a person who's speaking or the worship team or, you know, like, us because look at our funky cafe as a church. No, that's not why we do this. Jesus came preaching. He then sent his apostles and frankly all of us who bear his name to go and preach the good news of the kingdom, to preach the gospel. So here on Sundays, listen, this is not a conversation. I know there are churches that you can see online and people go to, I, I really like this kind of church because like, like the, the, the preacher doesn't do all the talking. You know, like he asks questions and he asks for our input. No, no, no. It, it, don't try that. Okay, it's not a conversation. It's preaching. And it's not my word. It's not man's word. It's the Bible. That's why we do this. That's why we open it up and we read the actual scripture and proclaim what God has to say. And, and the job of the preacher, the Christian, is to unpack it, teach those who don't know the whole orb story of God what it is actually saying. So listen, I guess my conclusion is to start the theme of this passage is we need to be hearers, amen? We actually need to hear what God is saying. And then as we get to conclusion, we need to do one other thing, as you will see. So again, after reciting the parable, the disciples asked Jesus what the meaning is. What's, okay, what's this all about? So even the disciples that were following Jesus, they're like, that's an interesting story. Uh, might have little bits of it right now, but could you unpack it for us? Could you preach it to us and expound it to us so we understand exactly what you're saying. And, and Jesus' reply a little later is to say this, to you has been given to know, look at this, the secrets of the kingdom. And so it's, it's not, Jesus wants us all to know the secrets of the kingdom, what it means to be a, a child of God, but for others there in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, I want to I make sure that I explain something here that is poorly taught. Some people read that last part and go, oh, so Jesus is doing this intentionally so that uh, some people would not believe and not understand. No, no. The, the, the way this is intimated in the Greek and in the language and the text is that Jesus is saying, that's what's going to happen because I've been proclaiming, would you listen to me? And the truth is he knows some will listen. He knows the narrow gate is very narrow and only a few will choose it and most will not listen. And that's what the parable is going to teach us today. So it's about the kingdom, how to get in, who's in, and who's not. 
Now, I have to be very honest with you as I prepared this sermon this week. I've been over this parable a few times in my life, and I love it, and I think the Holy Spirit, the Lord, showed me some new things about it. But as I went through it, as I looked at it, as I prayed over it, I've come to the conclusion that this parable is frankly frightening. It's actually scary what Jesus is saying here because he's not pulling any punches. He never does. So I, I want you to be aware of the fact that this is about either being in the kingdom today and for eternity or not. So Jesus is always never more so than in this parable, brutally honest, about everyone's destiny. That's, that's why he came. He came to save us. And so let's remember what was happening as Jesus began this parable. Let's remember, he's two years into his ministry at this time, and we read at the beginning of this story in verse 4 again, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town to town came to hear him, he said in a parable. So, so Luke now takes us back to this whole thing about crowds, right? If you've been with us since last December, we've seen this five, six times, where, where the story is about thousands and thousands of people coming out to see Jesus. I've used the phrase, and some, some people think I'm just kidding. You know, he was a rock star in that day. He, he was more popular than Tony Robbins, okay? He was thousands and thousands of people were coming to hear him because of what they were hearing about him. Great preacher, but also free sushi, you know, meals, and, and healings, miraculous healings. And so we recently saw, last week we saw that Jesus was recently in a Pharisee's home, Right? And a woman comes and anoints his feet. And, and we saw through that story the hearts of the men who were at the table and their attitudes towards that woman and towards Jesus. And then we saw in the first three verses of this chapter that soon after that meal in the Pharisee's home, Jesus leaves and starts traveling from town to town. And along with him are his 12 apostles, his disciples, uh, a few others, but also it mentions a number of women are also following him in his ministry and part of what he's doing. And so again, now we're at the point where right here we see crowds. The crowds are back. And as I said, we've repeatedly seen this. Jesus is not really into crowds. He's not impressed by megachurch, okay? He's not in, impressed by the fact that many, 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 many people are coming to hear him. He's concerned, quite frankly, that they're not listening. So, in fact, he's concerned for them, and that's the main reason he launches into this parable. He's concerned they're not hearing, they're not listening. So let's begin to unpack this parable this morning and discover its meaning. First, I, I trust, really, that many of you have heard this parable preached many, many times, right? And usually, and I'm not being critical, it's, it's good, it's good preaching and a good look at this parable, but it's usually about the soils, the different types of soils, and, and how you want to be the good soil, right? And, and so there seems to be a little bit of a, a, an attitude in that type of a breakdown of it that it's, it's about something that we've got to do in order to make our soil really, really good so that the Word of God, the seed of God will come into our soil and we're going to be good. Right? In other words, saved, right? And, and part of the kingdom and part of the harvest. Well, I, I want to suggest to you that um, we need to be the right kind of... That's what they're telling. However, I, I think the key to this parable is this. The key is, as I've been going over it, it's about hearing. 
hearing the word of God, and that's exactly what Jesus tells them the seed is, right? He says to them the seed is the word, what Jesus has been preaching about the kingdom of God. So the first thing I think we need to do, I believe we need to do, is to focus our attention not on the soils, not, not on the, the seed per se, but on the sower. That's how Jesus starts, right? He starts this way right here. He says, a sower went out, a sower went out to sow a seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. If you were to, um, if any of you wanted to, were to attend, uh, attend a, a seminary, a uh, place that people go to learn biblical theology and, and become full-time uh, ministry people, preachers, etc. Um, this parable is going to be taught. Right? There's no doubt I've had it taught in seminary and heard it taught. And it's going to be taught for a couple of key reasons. Number one, it's going to be taught because, uh, A, Jesus is the all-time best preacher, right? Like, like, there are some popular people today, their podcasts get way more listeners than mine, right? And deservedly so. But Jesus was the ultimate preacher, clearly. And this parable illustrates one of the things that was amazing about Jesus' preaching. And that's really the second point. He understood the power of story. I mean, he created us. He created the universe, greatest story of all time. But he understood how to connect with people. And so these parables, he's telling them because they relate. People, they'd hear a sower and seeds and soils, and they go, yeah, okay, I get that. Where are you going with this? And so that's one of the things we'd be taught. And so, of course, those hearing Jesus at that time, in that day, they lived in an agrarian society where uh, they, they understood the principles of sowing seeds, clearly. But typically, here's how it would go in those days. A farmer who was going to sow his seeds, who wanted to grow some crops, he would typically grab a, a big bag that would have an open top on it, and he would put all of his seeds into it. And of course, he'd be wearing sandals and a long, you know, whatever, I don't know what they wore, but that's the assumption, right? But as he'd be going through the field, he would be grabbing the seeds that were in his bag, and he'd be scattering them like this. And so that was, a, that was an understood picture in people's minds that that is exactly what someone would do. And they would sow their seeds. And of course, ideally, they would hope that their seeds would fall into good soil. I think this parable is interesting, and I want to come to that in a second. But the idea would be that they, they would want the seeds to grow, right? So there were a few major roads in those days, very few. And so the major way that people would get to a town or get to another village or get to their friend's place is because there weren't a lot of major roads, they would actually go through paths in each other's fields. And so that's why there would be these beaten down paths, not only for the farmers to be able to look after their fields, but the, hey neighbor, you know, like, don't step on my seeds, by the way. And, and they would use these paths to get from place to place. And that's why, of course some of these paths would be really, really beaten down. And so let me ask this question. And we looked at this in the gift of summer back in July, right? That little two-week mini-series we did. Why do you plant seeds? What's the point? Now, I know some of you, you plant seeds because, like, well, you just like to get your fingers in the dirt. And some of you are like, well, I just want to see the plants, right? I, I just love it when the plants are actually there, like flowers. I don't know what purpose they serve, but they're pretty. No, I'm kidding. Okay, but we plant. Why do you plant harvest, fruit. Clearly, we plant for those specific reasons. We want there to be a harvest. And so clearly, this sower, who is Jesus, 
has the same point in mind, right? So now, here's what many of you smart gardeners, I think, would do today, because I've seen your Facebook posts, right? And, and you all know my wife, or those of you who do, you, you know, right? But here's what we do today. The first thing we do is we, we, we make some really good beds, you know, with really big posts, you know, and, and they're about yay deep, at least, above the ground. And we, we put some really expensive soil in there. We, we till it nicely, and, and we buy this $400 tool that will, you know, move it all around. We've got one of those. And, and you know, we, then we put some compost in early in the year, and we really get that soil prepared. And then we get our seeds, right? And then we go along, and we poke our fingers in. We create little rows, put little strings down, put little tags at the end. This is this, so that we remember, oh, yeah, that's a tomato, even though it's this big and it's got tomatoes on it. We put that there, right? And, and we make, make these beautiful little rows, and we plant our little seeds, and we space them out perfectly, right? Because we know what we're doing, <laughs> right? Well, it's, it's common knowledge, right? It is a good way to plant seeds, isn't it? If you expect a harvest. So, so listen, I have a question for you. What is Jesus picturing here? What is he doing what, he's, he's creating a picture where it's like, I don't care where the seed goes. Because he's talking about some of it's going to fall on the path, and it, it ain't going to grow at all. Some of it's going to fall on soil that's only this deep because there's rock, bedrock underneath it, and it's going to grow for a bit and then die. And then there's thorny stuff. I mean, what's with that picture, do you think? We just go buy these things from time to time in the Word of God and go, oh, yeah, it's the sower sows the seeds, whatever. Hey, listen. I want to suggest this to you. Who is he or she again who has ears? All of you, everyone in this world. Jesus' own words in John 3.16 are, for God so loved the whole world. Friends, I want you to see in this parable, before we get to the frightening and difficult part, Jesus is indiscriminate in the way that he casts the seed. He casts a seed into every area of this soil. He's not concerned whether the seed will sprout on the path. Maybe some of it will. Maybe the birds who pick it up will drop it over here. He's not concerned about that. He loves everyone. Every one of the hearts that is going to be exposed in these soils that we see today. So I want to encourage you, church, as we go into this community and bring the good news of the gospel to those who have not heard. Let's not forget this. I know some of you have known Christians or churches or maybe even you yourself have gotten to the point where you're kind of thinking like, yeah, you know what, people in this world, you know, like I've tried to share Jesus with people and, you know, like some of these people are just like hard paths and, you know, like rocky soils and, and their lives are full of thorns and, you know, I just don't know if it's worth it anymore. Let's not think that way church? Jesus didn't. I think that's one image we can take from this text, which is really important that we see here this morning. So now as we, we learn about each soil that the sower's sowed seals, seed falls in, here's what I want to do with you. I want to do it a little bit differently. I, I want to put the two together. I want to show you the verses as we unpack it and look at each soil. And then the conclusion, I want to put the, the parable part up front and then the meaning of the parable together so that we can see them in the text. So let's look at the first one. It's uh, chapter 8, verse 5, and, and verses 11 to 12, where it says this. And he sowed, some, as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones on the path are those who have heard 
Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So in the first part, we learn that the seed, it, it fell on the path. Um, the, the seed gets trampled on because people are walking by, and then it becomes bird food. I mean, that's basically what we learn in the very first part, is it not? In the second part, he expands on this, letting us know who he's talking about, doesn't he? First, he emphasizes and states that the seed is what the sower, I, Jesus, have been sowing. It is the, the word of the kingdom of God, repentance for your sins and forgiveness from God. That's what I've been sowing. That's the seed. That's the proclamation of the kingdom. Then he adds this one word. He goes, the ones. I love that. They, the ones. He's talking what? He, he, he's talking about real people here. He's talking about you and I. He's talking about people, human beings, those who he's come to love. And so these are real people. And here's the problem. The problem is it's not the trampling of the birds that are the real issue. But here's their problem. It's not the trampling. The problem is this. It's their hearts, right? It, it's their actual hearts. They, they, they heard, yes. They've been to one service. They've watched one guy on TV or whatever it might be. They picked up a Bible in a hotel room. They read a little bit. They've heard the Word of Christ, but their hearts are hard. Like the path, their hearts are hard, impenetrable to the Word of God, and the relationship with others, listen, who have hard hearts. It's funny how we, we hang around peop with people who kind of agree with us and are, are part of our own way of thinking for the most part, or at least people who support what we believe rather than challenge us about what we believe, and their hearts just get harder and harder and harder, and it doesn't help. But there's another player here we see in this first soil, and he is literally called the devil, Satan. And now, I, I want to stipulate, some commentators and pastors and preachers will say, well, he's only part of the first soil. Hmm. I'm not so sure about that. He's presented here as if he's in the field, in the area, and I'm sure he has something to do with that. So, soil number one, let, let's get to the conclusion here. Let me ask the important question. We're all smart people here. We've heard what we've heard so far. We've listened, right? So the conclusion is this. Let me ask the question. Are these people saved? Will these people be part of the harvest one day? I'll answer it for you. No. No. These are from the words of Jesus. The next soil is this. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And the ones on the rock are those, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while in a time of testing, fall away. Most commentators agree that in the area surrounding the Mediterranean, uh, and again, this, this might not be something we see clearly in the text, but in the area surrounding the Mediterranean, that most fields didn't have... Uh, you know, really, really deep, perfect soil. There was thorny soil, there was rocky soil. And what they meant by that is that there was a, a bedrock a foot or two below the soil. And so the, the, that was covering a large part of many of the fields. We have that in the Okanagan, for example. We have beautiful lush areas, but also up closer to the mountains, you have areas where there's rock just a few feet below the soil. And that's what we see here. But, but it's important that we also understand that we see the words, as it grew. 
So obviously the seeds are not falling on pure rock because nothing grows on pure rock. Well, maybe in BC because there's so much rain, right? On the coast, right? It's funny how trees just come out of the rocks, but there's soil back in there somewhere that they're reaching to. And so that's interesting. Clearly, seed will not germinate and won't grow in itself. Then we read it, it withers away because of a lack of moisture. But at first, anyway, we learn that they, these real people, they do hear. And here's what happens with those people who hear. They get excited, right? They really get excited. They're like, oh, man, I've never heard this before. This is a new religion, a new faith. This is, wow, this is actually better than what I was part of just two weeks ago. So, yeah, oh, this is, oh, and the music, the singing is just great. And there's this initial rush, this emotional connection to what they're hearing. And they believe for a while in a time of testing, they fall away. They hear, but the problem with their thoughts is this. It's not that their hearts are hard. No, these are sensitive people for the most part. The problem is, is their hearts are shallow, very shallow. Not that they're shallow people, but shallow when it comes to understanding God's Word and who Jesus is. And so it's more of an emotional. So again, the question is, are these people who are part of this soil saved? Listen to me, Jesus is declaring. Are they? Will they be part of the harvest? Well, no, they won't. The text makes it clear there's no root. They don't have any root. They may have listened only to what they wanted to hear, and then when they got to hear things about Jesus and that He was the only way and that there was no other way to God but by Jesus, yeah, no. No, I I don't know if I can hear that anymore. I heard it, but I don't know if I want to accept that. I want to believe in my own mind that there are many ways to God. And if I pick a way and I believe it's the right way to God, God should be good with that. So the answer is no. Then there's the next soil. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So here's a soil and a soul that gives many commentators, theologians, and pastors a bit of a pause. If you study it, there's some that think like, well, maybe, maybe this particular soil. And there's lots of reasons they think for that. Many are not sure about these real people. So here we have people who, just like all the others, they hear the word, but here's their problem. And it's important that we see this because this could be, this could be some of us in this room here today or watching online. It could be some of us, and you really need to be aware of it. You personally need to be aware of it and examine your hearts on this. This parable tells us that as soon as they heard the word and we assume they believed at the same time that they heard thorns grew up beside them and started to choke out the word that they'd heard. Now, I don't know about some of you, but I remember when I became a Christian at 23 years of age, um, it it, it was a big change in my life, a huge change in my life and my lifestyle. Very long hair, Jesus saves and he shaves, okay? I got my hair cut and and, uh, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll drummer, sold my drums. I mean, huge 
huge change in my life. But I'll tell you, at the very same time, some of my best friends, best friends, what are you doing, Glenn? Oh, you think you're better than us now? Getting your hair cut, you know? You know, stop smoking, all substances, stop taking the Lord's name in vain, going to church, really? Reading a Bible? Like, it's really old. Like, it was constant, constant, constant attempts to choke out. And you know what? It was working. It was working to a point. Because I'm a new Christian, I don't know. Like, but I know that I truly did experience the Holy Spirit of God coming into my life. And so it didn't, at the end, work. And so they've heard these thorns grow up alongside and choke what they've heard. So they try to go on with life, and we also see this. They try to go on with life, but it's not just the thorns that are in their life, right? But it's also, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Okay, yeah, church, Jesus, that's all good, but hey, there's my life. There, there's, there's all of these things, that, that these cares that I have in my life, and there's material things and money and, and you know, like possessions, and, and then there's pleasure, right? Isn't, doesn't Christianity take all the fun out of life? No, <laughs> but that's the way people... And so here's what happens with people who are part of the soil. It's like trying to live a life with one foot in the church, one foot in Jesus, and another foot firmly planted still in the world. So their hearts are not hard, their hearts are not shallow, but their hearts are divided. And that's a recipe for disaster, really it is. And so there's another way that thorns can approach uh, someone and work in someone's life, and I want to carefully touch on this. But it's really like one of the, especially in our world and culture today, man, there are so many different religions and spiritual practices that one can be part of, right? And, and these are major thorns, major thorns in people's lives and in this world today. And so people hear about Jesus, I've already alluded to this, where they hear about Jesus and go, well, wait a second, like I like Jesus, but you know what? You know, Muhammad's pretty cool too, and, and then there's Buddha, and, and then there's, you know, Vishnu, and then there's, you know, Tony Robbins, you know, like a positive mental attitude, and there's all these other things and worlds out there. And these can become thorns too, can they not? I've mentioned this many times before, and it bears repeating today. There's one thing about Christianity that is radically different than every other religion and way of life on the planet. Every other religion and practice and way of life on the planet is about this, essentially this. It's about you or me being able to work our way up to God's acceptance and or approval, or if not to a deity, to a God, to a higher level of human consciousness, right? Christianity is the opposite. It is the only religion, the only faith that I believe tells us the truth about the human condition and the need that that human condition has, and that is this. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that I can do. We're separated from God because of our sin, and we can't save ourselves. I find that gospel to be really good news because I've tried. I've tried the religion of self-improvement. I tried that. I even tried it for years as a Christian and learned how futile that was. No, in, in the case of Christianity, it's this. You can't do that. And so that's why Jesus came down to us. The perfect Son of God became the perfect man who died on the cross in your place and my place so that you and I could be forgiven and then give us his life 
and lead us back to the way that we were created by God. Not perfect in this life, but one day. Only because of Him. That's radically different, isn't it? It's called good news. It's called the gospel. So, finally, soil number three. Are they saved and part of the harvest? What do you think? Some pastors, some commentators are not sure about this one. Kind of one foot on either side of the fence. I'm going to suggest to you no. No, they're not. And the reason why I say that is because it says right there in the text, and their fruit does not mature. There's no harvest. They don't have any fruit. It dies on the vine. A little further along than the soil that's on rock. So lastly, we read in verse 8 and 15, and some fell upon good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Emphasis on patience. Any Christian husband or wife need to be patient with their husband or wife as they grow in Jesus, right? The Christian life is not a snap your fingers, I'm all good now. It's per- perseverance is required. And so in this soil, we see something really, really remarkable. In this soil, the seeds of God's Word don't find, they don't find hard, shallow, or divided hearts, but souls that, that literally soak up the Word. <laughs> they can't wait to open their Bibles every day and read. They can't wait to get to church to hear God's Word proclaimed, even by an average preacher. Right? They can't wait to hear God's Word, to learn more about Jesus, about God, and who He is. And then they allow, they allow, by doing that, the Holy Spirit to dig deep roots into their hearts, into their souls, into their lives, strengthening them. You do know that really healthy plants that we see up here have really healthy root structures down below? You do know that, right? It's really important in the Christian life. This patience thing, as I said, is really important. So here's a parable that exhorts every Christian to regularly sit and truly listen. Really listen to the preaching of God's Word. And again, I'll say it. Not my words, not man's words, but God's words. And anytime they don't match up, stop listening to me. Stop listening to those preachers. It's got to match up to the Word of God and what you know it's saying. It's very important. So, as we conclude this morning, let me ask you this. Important question before we conclude. Who are you listening to? I mean, think about that over the next few days. Who do you and I listen to more than God's Word? More than Jesus? Oh, we, we have our favorites. All of us do, okay? I got the t-shirt, you do too. Are you listening to your guru or your positive mental attitude guy or gal? You know, she's no longer on TV, but the go-to often was Oprah, you know? People have these prosperity preacher and teacher or, or favorite author. Friends, the number one source that most of us are actually listening to on a daily basis other than the Word of Christ is... Me, myself, and I. Because, of course, I'm gathering all this information, listening to all these other great voices, and then I will assimilate all this, and I will... This is who we listen to. What we saw earlier today in our announcements, ladies, is a really good opportunity for you to allow the Holy Spirit to work on your soil, on 
your soul is to be part of this wild encounters. It's, it's an interesting thing. You know, many of us, I think today, are, we're, 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 more, we're really interested in reading books and reading popular authors and, and, and getting to know what that's all about and meaning around that, but coming to a Bible study where we're going deep in Colossians or the book of Jonah as Christian women, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have time for that. Like, I've read my Bible. Ladies, hmm. Ladies, let me encourage you. That's where you need to be. There's something about um, the power of seeds, isn't there? Seeds are remarkably powerful, aren't they? I have this little illustration here with me today. You know what that is. This is actually from our garden, from Genesis Permaculture Garden. Uh, this is a, a head of wheat that actually sprung up because uh, we were using hay to protect the soil during the off-season. And, of course, that's not the seed, but these little things right inside here, that's the seed, Right? And, and you might look at that right now and go, yeah, yeah, it's seed, but it's dead. It's not dead. But, but that's the crazy thing about seeds, isn't it? The craziest thing about seeds and the most amazing thing about seeds, which if you read Genesis 1, is how God started everything, was with seeds. The amazing thing about that little tiny seed is that it actually needs to die before it will germinate and then grow and bear much fruit. That's an amazing picture of what the seed, the Word of God, is supposed to do in you and in me, right? We need to personally die to ourselves and allow the seed, the Word of God, to germinate in us and to flow through us and to grow us. Finally, I can't just leave this by saying, okay, go and be really good listeners. You've been good for the last 40 minutes. Now, now go and listen some more. It'd, it'd be almost futile to say that that's the whole point of the Christian walk, isn't it? Is that you need to be a good listener. Yes, you do. Many of you listen to podcasts. You can listen to them all week. That's great too. But we need to be far more than just listeners. That's why the brother, the stepbrother of Jesus, said these very important words, James, in his epistles. He wrote this, Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Look at this. But be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's actually in the Christian life that, okay, for that seed to go beyond germination, but actually start digging down roots, Yes, I need more Bible. Yes, I need more listening. But, but, but also, you know, I need to start, as the plant grows, I need to start working. And you ever watched a plant in your garden move towards the sun and, and get strong in the wind? Something needs to take place and happen. So here, here's a few questions for you to consider before we close this morning and go to prayer and go to communion. A few questions for you to think about to allow the Holy Spirit to work on you today and so you might want to do a few things. Let me ask you this. Has God ever nudged you to do one of the following or a few of the following? Has he ever nudged you to forgive someone that you haven't forgiven yet? Has he ever nudged you to confess honestly and truthfully something you've done wrong? Has he ever nudged you to just apologize for, for an offense that, that you've, even if you don't, like I didn't mean, but have you, has he nudged you to go to someone and say, hey, I'm sorry for that? 
I need to apologize to you. Has he ever nudged you that you need to be honest and truthful in all of your practices, including what you declare on your tax returns, etc.? Has he ever nudged you to put away your favorite sin? I'm sure he's nudged you repeatedly on that one because he nudges me, all of us, I think. What about nudging you to give financially to support the ministry of the work? And here's a key one. Has he ever nudged you to go to someone in particular that for the longest time you've been thinking about and share the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ with them because you're really the only person that God has put into their path? Ever been nudged in any of those ways? Friends, if you have been nudged in any of those ways today, let me encourage you to do this. Let's take a very famous line and let's redeem it for something really good. Then just do it. Pray with me, would you?